Welcome to Grant Seeker Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're learning how to be an agile leader in your nonprofit. This comes from a webinar that was recorded on June 25th, and the presenter is Diane Leonard. Diane provides grant development counsel to nonprofit organizations of varying size and scope. She is a licensed Scrum Master. She is grant professional certified and just a really fun person to listen to. So for the first 45 minutes or so, Diane goes into detail on what Agile actually is and how it applies to nonprofits. And then the last 15 minutes is a Q&A. So let's dive right in. I am so honored to be with all of you today as we're going to talk about Agile leadership and how you can be an Agile leader in your nonprofit regardless of your title. But before we get started, I'd like to do a quick little check-in with everyone. I'm guessing that as grant professionals, you're spending lots of time facilitating meetings. Am I right? Yeah, I know I'm right. And many of them now are remote. Well, when we think about how you can have just even a very simple way that you can show your techniques, your ability to be a leader for your team, I'd like to show you a check-in exercise that I found to be really powerful with teams definitely in the last 14 to 15 weeks, but even before then. So in this check-in, you can share your thoughts in one of four ways. You can say that I am mad, I am glad, I am sad, or I am afraid. And as you're joining in a meeting, as you're starting the conversation, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's on uh, Uber conference, you can say how you're feeling and why. Now, this is an opt-in check-in process. So this is up to you for how detailed you're sharing. You could say, I'm really glad that it's Friday Eve because it's almost the weekend and I need a break. You could say, I'm mad that it's sunny outside and I'm inside. It's up to you. But what you do with your team is you ask them to use these prompts for how they're feeling. This gives everyone a chance to acknowledge that at any time, but especially now, there are big, heavy things happening in our world. And that can feel like a lot of pressure for us and for our team members. But when we come to our meeting, let's give a chance, let's give the space to share. And then after you share what emotion you're feeling and maybe why, this is how you round out how you close out this conversation. And I'm in. So for example, well, I've actually given you two things. I'm glad it's Thursday Eve because that means it's almost the weekend or Friday Eve. It's almost the weekend. And I'm mad that it's sunny outside and I'm inside. I'll add another emotion. I'm thrilled though to be with all of you for the 60 minutes today talking about agile leadership. And I'm in. I'm here. I'm not on my phone. I'm not checking my email. Yes, maybe my ears are listening for the puppy or for the kids or I'm worried about my next cup of coffee. We have real life happening, but I'm in. This is an exercise that I hope you'll consider trying in your own teams. When we think about how we facilitate, right, that is an important role that we as grant professionals play. When we think about what that means to facilitate, it's the first opportunity that we have when we're in a situation, when it's a meeting, when we're going to lead a conversation, it's a, the first opportunity that we have to show our agile leadership skills. 
When we look at agile leadership and what that means, we need to understand that our titles are going to be different. Some of you are foundation relation coordinators. Some of you are director of grants. Some of you show up on the org chart hierarchy. Some of you are a level below what is shown. It doesn't matter. You all have the opportunity to be an agile leader. So you have the opportunity. But as we start today's conversation, you're here, you're checked in, you've decided to spend time with us in this form of professional development. I'm curious, do you think that you are an agile leader? From your definition right now, without hearing anything I have to say, are you currently an agile leader? I've already given you one huge clue that it has nothing to do with where you fit in the org chart for whether or not you are an agile leader in your nonprofit or in your community. It is really about the way in which you engage in the team process. It's the way in which you motivate others, the way in which you give space for continuous improvement. Absolutely, we want those in leadership, those that are the boss, to exhibit the tendencies that we're gonna talk about today in terms of agile leadership. But it is not only their responsibility. You can help lead your nonprofit to great success, to fantastic impact as you implement your mission. You each have that opportunity. So as we think about agile leadership, there are gonna be a few books that we're gonna talk about today. I'll show them to you a little bit later on and we'll put the links to them. But the first uh, source, I'm gonna talk about the Agile Leadership Toolkit. When you're in that book, they start off by looking at the four different things that Agile leaders are helping their team to do. And so the first is co-creating goals, inspiring the direction of the team. We do that as grant professionals. We help create what goals we're going to think about for federal grant seeking, for state grant seeking, for foundations. We're helping to create those goals. The second, we facilitate ownership. We own and feel very prideful about the work that we do, what we create, but we need there to also be ownership by our program staff, by our peers about what is going in the application. Are they committed to implementing that work? Does it align with the mission, the vision, their capacity? We absolutely, our third one, learn faster. Grant professionals, it's not a secret, we're competitive. We want to win, we want to get the award because our organizations need the resources. So we are constantly seeking out professional development opportunities. We are looking to be grant reviewers. We are trying to find ways so that we can learn in order to help improve our own applications and the work of our organization. And then fourth, design healthy habits. Now this might feel pretty loaded, but that check-in example that I just walked through with you is one such example. In your team meetings, how are you creating? How are you setting the stage for a healthy, psychologically safe conversation? How are you preventing your grant team members who are providing you with great information, how are you preventing them from doing heroic things in order to get grant applications done? Are you able to help prevent them from doing heroic things. 
So these are the four things that we're looking at when we talk about agile leadership. And the book that you're going to get the link to that you could go read if you're interested in more, it's not industry specific. What I've just done, though, is taken the circle with the four things and shown you how they all immediately relate to our work as grant professionals. Now, before we go much further, how many of you feel comfortable that you understand what Agile means? Right? Do you think you know what Agile means? Agile, there's big A Agile and little a Agile. So when we talk about big A Agile, what is it? Well, the Agile Manifesto is where the values of Agile principles were written back in 2001. The word Agile has been around, well, way longer than that. But when we talk about Agile, big A, that's something that was agreed upon as a definition, as an approach of principles and values in 2001 by those that were actually in the software industry. That is where this first came from. And it has continually been reviewed by that group, by industry, and adapted a little bit over time so that it has stayed relevant. Right? A lot has changed in nearly the last 20 years. What are the values? This is what I want you to understand. Not everything that's in the manifesto, not the 12 Agile principles, but what are the values and how do they play out for our work as grant professionals? So if you are Agile in your mindset, for your team, for your organization, it means that you value individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Absolutely, we need our processes and tools, but we need to think about the individuals we're working with. We need to think about the way in which we interact with them, the way we support each other. We need to value working product over comprehensive documentation. Well, what's working product in our work as grant professionals? drafts of applications. If we wrote our entire application and only shared it for some form of feedback from a colleague at the very end, right before we clicked submit, well, we might have made some wrong assumptions. We might have carried a typo all the way through. There's a lot that could have gone not quite right. We want to share iterative working product with our stakeholders, with our grant team, with our colleagues, versus having the perfect comprehensive documentation for their review. Our next one is customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Right? So grant professional, are we talking about grant contracts? What does this mean? So when we look at customer collaboration, the agile space is focused on your stakeholders having engagement. Are you writing applications that is based on what your team, your programmatic team is focused on? They're giving you the input. Is that based on the focus group work, the case studies, the needs assessments that you've done in your community to hear directly from your clients, your community, to influence the proposals? I think nonprofits do an amazing job of focusing on that customer collaboration. But there's always room to do more. Right, to ensure that we are creating a situation that's as equitable as possible for all voices to be heard for what we're requesting the funding for. And then the fourth one, if this doesn't talk about nonprofits, I don't know which of the values would more. Responding to change over following a plan. Yes, 
Many nonprofits, I don't want to say all, but many nonprofits have a strategic plan. And that is the guiding document for the big actions that will be taken. That's great. That gives vision to the organization. But then the nitty gritty, the day to day, the way the programs are designed and delivered, that is responding to change. The last 14, 15 weeks, they have shown how agile nonprofits can be in responding to change. Now this one, I want to dig in on a little bit more because I was talking with Beth Tuttle, who is the previous uh, president and CEO of SMU Data Arts. Some of you might be familiar with what they deliver to the nonprofit community. It's the cultural data profile. Arts organizations have to complete information, put their data there because grant makers, many of them, not all, will look there to get the information in addition to places like GuideStar. Well, I was talking with Beth yesterday because they used Agile as a way to bring some change to that profile about four or five years ago. They wanted to make it more customer focused in how the tool interacted. And so they were focusing on changing in what the customers needed, you, the nonprofits needed. But Beth and I had this big sidebar conversation about what does it really mean to be agile in a nonprofit? And so we've got our values. And so what I wanna clarify for you is agile, adapt, pivot, they just became some of the most overly used buzzwords. Five months ago, not so much. Now, oh my gosh, all the time. Well, what does that actually mean? Does it mean that the organization is quickly turning direction all the time to adapt to the change? Does that mean that's what you're doing if you're an agile leader? It doesn't mean that you're reacting to shiny objects, that you're not going squirrel and headed in a new direction. That's how we get mission drift. Rather, what it means to be agile for your organization and for you as a leader is that you are focusing on these values. You're listening to your clients, you're listening to your stakeholders, and you're responding to change in a way that reflects what you're hearing from them. That you're constantly focused on client, customer, stakeholder value, what you're delivering to them, what you're offering, over following a plan. And that really, I think, is the most important takeaway from these values today. Now, maybe you might say, why? are we talking about Agile, right? What, what really brought this about? This started in software. And in fact, Foundant, they're talking about scaled Agile, right? They're implementing something called SAFE and they're sharing lots of great information with grantees and grant makers about their experience and why they might wanna consider it. I'm so excited to see that. But it's pretty common in for-profits and especially, it used to be really common in software nonprofits. But why would I think about Agile? Why did I start my Agile journey? Absolutely, because from point A to point B, you have an idea, execution. You have an application, submission. It is rare that what actually happens is the straight line arrow. What we really see is life. Things get messy. It took a lot of work to get a memorandum of understanding back from a partner. Uh, we had to redo something related to our data analysis before we could write the needs statement. Things happen. And so how is it that we can 
really, can we manage that process? How can we feel confident that we're still going to get to our definition of success? It just might look different. How can we embrace that? How can we still focus on that? So this was a question that has really, it's always percolated for me about organizations. My minor was in organizational behavior many, many years ago. <laughs> well, then I started to, as our team grew at DH Leonard Consulting, I'll be honest, I started to feel like I was a constraint for my team, that people were waiting on me. I really, I self-identified. I was like, um, this constraint and the theory of constraints, like we've got all this great stuff happening and then there's a bottleneck and then therefore we've got like wasted space and capacity. Yeah, that was me. Totally me. I own it. And so maybe you can think about in your organization what it might look like for theory of constraints. What or who is your constraint? Can you think of something in your organization? Maybe you're an employee. So you're thinking of a, a process that's internal or a person in the organization, or you're a consultant. And so one of your own processes or something that happens with clients comes to mind. But is there something that is constraining the value with which you're delivering, the way in which you move your work forward for your colleagues, for your stakeholders, for your clients? Usually you can come up with at least one. Well, so this was combined with the mess of success. What does that look like? How do we get from point A to point B? These were the things that were bouncing around in my head and I was trying to figure out because I am an Enneagram type three and that means I'm an achiever. So I like to do well and I'm a type A. So I also have some maybe control things sometimes, but I don't like to fail my team. And I felt like I was failing my team. I felt like I was slowing them down, like they could do more if I could figure out how to get out of their way. And so that was what really took me on this journey of learning about Scrum and about Agile. And so that was just my story for why it made sense for me. But as I've talked about it with other colleagues, with other nonprofits, as I've really gone down the, the rabbit hole of how to teach about Agile and Scrum, I became a licensed Scrum trainer. I used to joke that Right, being a grant professional and going to a cocktail party in a community, that makes you a special sort of person. People want to ask you, like, am I eligible for grant money? I have a great idea. Could I get a million dollars? Right, that makes you special for one reason. Talking about Agile and Scrum, that's another sort of special. Put them together, and to me, I think it's really powerful. But anyway, not everyone's ready to take that leap. What I found is a nice place to start the conversation. What is the floor? What is the common space where we can start the conversation about agile leadership? It's in this space. Who likes to be happy at work? I know that's a loaded question. It seems like a forehead slap sort of question. We spend a lot of time at work. We would like to be happy at work. Well, why do we want to be happy at work? Right? Why do we want to be happy at work? Because those colleagues are around us all the time. We want to be happy because we're really passionate about our work. And so we like being there. It'd be nice to be happy. Well, when we think about the fact that it does feel like, duh, we all want to be happy at work. What happens and why do we see 
turnover at such a high rate in nonprofits? Why are we talking about burnout so often? So Jonna Rogers, Bethany Turner, and Trish Bachman are going to have a published article in the GPA Journal this year about burnout. We've got Beth Cantor and Eliza Sherman's book, The Happy Healthy Nonprofit, that's being shared and talked about. It was a book discussion at last year's conference. Amanda Day and Kimberly Hayes DeMuga just interviewed the authors of the book Burnout, an amazing amazing book to help you think about tactically how to like close the stress cycle to even understand what is a stress cycle. So why are we all talking about burnout? Because well, nonprofit professionals and I'm generalizing, we're incredibly passionate about our work and about the mission that we want to serve. And maybe the pay is not what it could be if we were in the for-profits. Maybe we feel pressured to do heroic things like work late, like take extra phone calls from the crisis line. You fill in the blank. You're going to know the extra things that you're doing because we care about the mission. We want to help our community. So we have some things that are kind of uh, pulling on each other here, right? We want to be happy at work. Yet the data and the conversation says, hold on, not all nonprofit professionals are happy. That's not that we're all going to be a happiness level five big smiles every time we're at work. But what can we do in our team settings to focus on team happiness? The answer is actually, there's a lot you can do. Well, let's set happiness aside for a minute. Let's really think about the work that you're delivering, the value that you're providing to your community. Okay, so who likes being able to produce something that's a value, that's of impact at work? Well, as humans, we want our time to be valued, our contribution. Whether we're an achiever, like an Enneagram 3, or not, it doesn't matter. We want the things we spend time on to mean something, to help others. So when we think about our contributions, so the majority of us today are grant professionals. I know we have some other nonprofit professionals, but we'll generalize for a moment to grant professionals. What is it that we produce of value? We produce amazing, compelling, competitive applications for our grant makers to consider. We put so much effort into this work, yet it isn't always funded, is it? Even if we did everything within our power to do so perfectly. Now that is a message, a difficult message for us as agile leaders to convey to the rest of our organization. We want them to understand we did everything we could, but there were other organizations. They got the priority points. They were qualified for those bonus points, right? That might be why they eked out the award. But we take it very personally. And then we pick ourselves up and we, we grab those agile values and we say, okay, as an agile leader, we're going to focus on learning. We're going to learn. We're going to ask for feedback. How can we improve? We are constantly thinking about improvement. Agile is all about continuous improvement, making slight iterative changes to whatever it is that you produce in order to be better, in order to deliver more value. So I think you're all agile leaders. I know some of you already embraced that idea. Some of you are thinking about it. The way in which you learn from the grant applications that you submit and maybe don't get 
is a perfect example of your agile leadership qualities, of you learning quickly on behalf of your team, sharing that information, thinking about how to adapt and put forward a stronger application the next time. Now, let's take a moment here and think about our grant team and what it might look like. So if we think about a grant team, how many of you have a grant team in place? And also, we'll think about what does the definition of grant team mean for a minute, right? Because many of you are saying, only grant pro in the org, right? Just grant team of one. But when we think about a grant team, it's really the group of colleagues that have a stake in grants being successful. So when you think of your grant team and you think about it being the group of colleagues who have a stake in grants being successful, what is your role? You might not have that top hat leader in your team. Who's going to lead them? Now, rhetorical question, the answer is you. Regardless of your title, that is your chance to lead the team, to exhibit this continuous improvement in a way that'll help your organization grow. Now, as we think about what else do we do from here? So we, we've acknowledged that we wanna be happy at work. We've acknowledged that we like to offer things of value. How do we do both? Right? How can, are they mutually exclusive? Is there a way that we can focus on providing things of value, getting more applications out the door because there's so much pressure to do so while still being happy, while focusing on how to make our colleagues and ourselves happier? Good news, the answer is yes, absolutely yes. So, this is the first time we'll talk formally about the book, Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. This book I read for the first time because uh, we were going on a family trip and we were about to take a very long car ride. And at the time, my children were much younger. So was I. But we were thinking about how to keep everyone happy in the car for that long of a trip. And so my spouse suggested, you know, I think you might be willing to listen to this book too. Usually we have very different tastes, even in business books. And he said, the art of doing twice the work in half the time. He started to tell me the author and I said, stop, hit buy, unaudible right now, I'm sold. This is where it all began. Well, Dr. Jeff Sutherland is the co-creator of Scrum and he's got a law that's named after him. And what the law says is that happiness drives speed. So if we think about the way in which our teams produce something of value, in our case, usually grant applications, right? we will produce more grant applications without doing anything extra in terms of our hours in the office or our hours on the computer. We will produce more of value if we are happier. Happiness actually drives speed. Does that surprise anyone? When I first thought about it, I'm like, I'm gonna need some more case studies to understand this. Are you sure this is really true? It's driven home for me even more by understanding that if you watch your team's happiness drop, it's actually the leading indicator on performance. Shocked me, shocked. And we've seen indications of that. I've, I've seen it in my own team. So when we think about why this matters to you, to me, to all of us here today, 
We as agile leaders, as the person facilitating our grant team, that group of colleagues who have a stake in seeing grants be successful, we want everyone to be happy because well, we already all acknowledge we want to be happy at work. So that's kind of us to focus on happiness. But it's actually going to be what helps us produce more applications that are strong, that are going to be competitive, that are going to help bring the dollars in to achieve our mission, which is our passion point that we all have. Crazy, right? It all comes together. So but how do we focus on team happiness? What does this sound like? How can we do this? This is something that can really bring up the conversation of psychological safety. Let's uh, bring up a book here for a moment, shall we? The Fearless Organization. This book was written by Amy Edmondson, who's a professor at Harvard. And so The Fearless Organization. This is where the conversation about psychological safety first comes up. Because you might say, well, Diane, if you ask me how happy I am at work, you might give me an answer personally, right? I may have asked this question in a large room at the GPA conference this last year. And because we said we were in a safe space, most people didn't have their supervisor with them, we got some pretty honest answers. But if you're saying this in a conference room or a Zoom room with your colleagues, are you comfortable saying it out loud? It's gonna depend on the culture of your organization and the way in which you've constructed a psychologically safe space for your team to answer. Now, this is about happiness at work. This isn't your happiness overall, because that is going to get into all those things that we did at the check-in. We set those, we said how we're feeling, and then we said, but I'm in. And by doing so, we left those things to the side. We acknowledge that they're there, they're heavy, they're meaty. Maybe they're great, but they're outside of today's scope, right? We want to focus on happiness at work. That is something then that we as an agile leader, as the grant professional facilitating our grant team, we can help control that. There are things we can do without having to spend even money that can help with that happiness level. Now, how do we get this answered? So maybe you are in a Zoom room and you ask people to type it in. Maybe you are in person, whether socially distanced most of the time, but in a conference room occasionally. But if you're in the space together, you could do like a happiness histogram. Walk up to the board and put a post-it, all the same colored post-its, onto the space that gives us our happiness rating. Again, happiness for work, for the team. Now there's something else to remember. There's a difference between happiness with the team and happiness with the organization. Some teams, when they measure happiness, they will ask both questions so that they can track if they're different. You as an Agile leader are gonna have more control in most situations over your team happiness than your team's happiness with the organization. That takes elevating the conversation a little bit. So depending on your organizational structure, I just want you to understand the difference between how you might ask that. Happiness with the team and their work. Happiness with the organization. If you're a smaller organization, it might be exactly the same. It's the same group of people. But so you could do a happiness histogram. You could do an anonymous poll. Because as you get started, maybe that's a good way to get information, to understand from your colleagues what their happiness is. 
Now, what are some of the other ways that we could measure happiness? What have you seen in your own organizations? Who's actually being asked about, are you happy with your team? Are you happy at work? There's even some tools outside of our conferencing tools, our video tools, having basic post-its. There is a free version that you can use called funretro.io. It is a space where you can do what's called a retrospective, reflect as a team. And so this could be a spot where people type in anonymously their happiness number, in addition to other elements of retrospective, which we'll talk about. When we think about retrospectives, here comes another book. Are you ready? I know my grant people love books. So I'm like, I've got to show you the books. All right, this one is called Agile Retrospectives, Making Good Teams Great. So Fun Retro IO, that's about more than just measuring happiness. This really gets to the retrospective idea. What as a team happened that went well? What didn't go so well? What could we improve? When you're asking those questions of your team, that's a natural time when you can ask for happiness. I'm not going to get too far into the Scrum framework, but retrospectives are part of the Scrum events. They happen each and every sprint. Our teams at DH Leonard Consulting, these questions, the retrospective, they get asked every week. Literally every week we're saying, what went well this last week? What could we do better? What didn't go so well? And what is your happiness each and every week? We've got some great data then as a result to make our decisions. So you don't have to answer about how honest you are in a sitting like this with your organization. Do you feel psychologically safe that you would give an answer or not? But this is something that you facilitating your grant team, I think you should consider. And so that question of how often, I just told you that our team, because we're following the Scrum framework, we're using one week sprints, we are doing this retrospective and measuring happiness every week. Well, maybe you say, well, we'll ask it once a month or we'll ask it quarterly. Asking it at all will make me happy. That would be awesome. But what would happen if you asked it more frequently? Let's remember that happiness is a leading indicator of performance. If happiness goes down, velocity, our team's productivity, what we're gonna deliver of value is going to follow. So how else can we focus on team happiness? Uh, so we say don't let grants stress you out. Anybody for a stress ball, right? Tiny, small thing to say, is everyone just remembering that stress, it's a stress cycle, are we completing it? Squeezing a stress ball might work for just a minute or two, but are you caring for yourself in a way that completes the stress cycle? Whether it's going for a run, that's my favorite, or whether it's reading a great book, whether it's going for a walk with a friend, what is it that completes your stress cycle? Are you doing it? Maybe it's about celebrating victories. Hello, yellow smiley bell. Whenever something amazing happens on the team, we ding it. My children like to take it, which is why it doesn't ding quite as loud as it used to before. But this has become part of the team culture. This is something that you can help create. You can influence your team's culture for how you focus on happiness, for the little things that you can do to bring joy to the day, to the hard work that you're doing. I had some fun on Amazon recently because, well, we never had crystal balls as grant professionals. And I've been making some jokes about magic eight balls. Anyone else, child of the 80s, that loved the magic eight ball? 
I got one. And so now I'm like, this is a lot of fun on video calls. Clients think it's pretty funny too, because you're like, what is that grant maker going to do? When are they going to release their decisions? You're like, um, I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't say, right? So how can you have fun within your team setting? The hard work is still going to be there. But how is it that you can bring self-care and the ability to build a, a team culture that's focused on psychological safety and caring for yourselves and for each other? Because that's what's actually going to drive more and stronger grant applications. Sometimes it, it almost feels counterintuitive. By spending time on that, we're actually going to prevent ourselves from maybe working extra hours, doing extra things. So as we think about our happiness, what we're doing as a team, what it is that you actually, you can control and help, you might say, okay, so I could measure happiness. I briefly introduced you to the idea of retrospectives. I used the word agile, big A, to start this and talk about you as an agile leader. I'm not suggesting that each of you to do this has to go learn agile frameworks of any sort. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. I've taught you the four big agile values. You are now dangerously knowledgeable to go formally be a big A agile leader. There's all sorts of things that you can learn, right? These are all different agile frameworks. Scrum is like the grandparent of agile that existed way before the Agile Manifesto was written, like almost two decades before. But so as we think about the different things that you can learn, the ways that you can formalize Agile in your organization, you could have a lot of fun and learn different options. Kanban, it's an easy favorite to do, doing done, slide things to done. Very gratifying to slide things to done. But under the umbrella of Agile, you've got a lot of options. And your organization, you don't need to understand one or all of these in order for you to be an Agile leader. Really, it's rather about being agnostic in Agile. I'm saying if you can understand those four Agile values, if you can think about how you, as an Agile leader, learn faster on behalf of your team, if you're thinking about how you design healthy habits for your team in the form of celebration, in the form of asking about happiness, that is you bringing Agile into your organization. Now, Agile and leadership. There's some heavy reading that you can do, just like there is with grants. So leadership agility. This one, the subtitle is Five Levels of Mastery for anticipating and initiating change. Leadership agility. Great book, heavier read. It really depends on what engages you. What are you excited about? What do you think that you can do in your organization, in your team, to help reduce the stress related to grants, to help increase the happiness of your team? Because I don't think the pressure that we feel to write more applications, to secure more money, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So there's only so much you can write. There's only so many hours you can work. How can we make it better? That's where you have a lot of control as the agile leader. And our last book, the one that got it all started, what I call the red book. 
Scrum, the art of doing twice the work in half the time. Now you might say, wait a second, wait, 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 does that mean I'm gonna get a vacation? Yes, please take vacation because if you don't, oh, that's what's gonna cause burnout. You should take time away. Even if it's a staycation right now, just don't open your email for at least a day, don't do it. But there is so much that's available to you in terms of understanding Big A Agile and the frameworks. I will say though, these books, they often make reference to for-profits because that's where their base is, that's the, where it started. And so when we started, Tammy talked to you about my bio and she said that I'm president of DH Leonard Consulting. And we've been around for 15 years and it's just in the last five that I've really dug in on Agile and Scrum. And in 2018, we opened what's called Agile and Nonprofits. So there are free resources, free webinars. You decide where you wanna learn more and we're happy to talk with you in that space, whether it's our Facebook group, whether it's just that you get the newsletter, our YouTube channel. We were thrilled, shocked, amazed. We're one of the top 40 Agile YouTube channels to watch this year. Ah, what? That's so cool. Wherever you wanna talk about being an Agile leader, we wanna talk with you. Wherever you're comfortable, if anything from today really hits you, talking about happiness, talking about retrospectives, what can we do better, talking about those agile values, anything. Like I said, Facebook level all the way up through the licensed classes for Scrum Master and Product Owner, we're happy to chat, we're happy to share resources, to hear what's happening in your organization, to give you some ideas. So please, if you're interested, we'd welcome you to go to agileandnonprofits.com or to connect with us on social media because Really, I, I think you can tell. Give me a little soapbox. It's not just about grants anymore. I'm like, let's talk agile and grants. And I'll still, I'll still buy the coffee for the conversation. It'll be amazing. But I, I can tell, Tammy, we've got some questions. Yes, we do. We do have quite a few questions, and they're really good questions. Uh, one of the, the things that Jonna has, has put out there, I love this. Uh, thank you for this question. I love watching your team and the excitement they have using the Agile framework and, and specifically Scrum, but will it work for a one-woman shop, uh, yeah. someone with clients? And yep. what are the challenges there? Yeah, so it's called Scrum, Scrum of One, Scrum for One, and it absolutely works. It takes uh, some self-discipline, to follow, if you're going to do like, for example, the Scrum framework, it takes discipline to walk yourself through those five events, to hold your own retrospective, right? To say, so self, what didn't go so well this week? What went really well, right? That you've got to carve out the time and have the discipline to do that if you're going to do the frameworks. But when you are, so knowing Jonna well, as a grant consultant working with clients, you've got all these other people you're interacting with, and they're the friends of your team. So you're your team of one, but you have all these other little teams that you're facilitating, and so you can bring the cadence of your Scrum to them without them knowing it, without having to call it Scrum. But uh, yeah, Scrum for One can still be incredibly powerful, and Jonna, there's some folks you know and I think maybe a few of you don't that do Scrum for One, and I can help connect some dots if you'd like offline. Thank you. Um, one other question, when you hit that constraints and used yourself as the example, I think a lot of people you know, could see that in themselves if they were the constraint, but there were 
some questions that came up are what are some other examples of constraint that may not be one person? And if you have some of those. Sure. So sign off process is often a constraint that we'll see. So how many levels of people need to see and sign something or see and approve something? Uh, if you're not live writing and editing, so you're sending around lots of word files across emails, that time of the process, the duplication potential, that could be another constraint. So it can be people and it can be processes. Either one could be constraining the work. It's anything that's going to slow down the speed with which you deliver something of value. A follow-up question on this. Could it be grant makers? Um, could it be <laughs> external? <laughs> I know like that, that is a constraint, but I'm it not is. sure. If it's, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> And so maybe we should channel our interview lane, yeah. nonprofit <laughs> AF. Yes, it could be grant makers. Uh, it could be your collaborative partners, right? It doesn't mean it's only inside your organization. And so when we acknowledge uh, our work, there's externality and there's uncertainty. And so that does mean that it could be, for example, there's a wonderful, relatively new large grant maker in New York State that because of how they reacted to COVID funding, well, then they ended up having to change all of their annual grant cycle timelines, and that's impacting some other work in a different way. And it's like day to day, what's gonna happen? You just don't know. They are constraining their grantees. They are like, so mm -hmm, could be grant makers. That was a very live reaction right there. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yes, um, one other thing I know, and you did this for, for us because our community is largely made up of people involved with grants. At, at some level, but uh, you and I talked as we prepared for this, so I want you to, to speak to, can you discuss or do you have resources for just nonprofits in general, not specific to the grant writing process, uh, sprints, project management, launching new programs and content that may not have much to do with the grant writing process. Uh, do you cover that in your resources? Yeah, we do. And, you know, I love to talk about grant teams are something that like that. It's a good example of cross-functional teams sharing knowledge, which is a, a happy place, even if we weren't in uh, the Foundant grant related space. But because you, you need to see yourself in the case studies and the examples. And so if you're not a grant professional, you might be saying, Diane, so what about me? So we have uh, amazing case studies. We've been interviewing anyone that will talk to us basically about their use of agile. So like Beth Tuttle from the cultural data profile as an example, uh, Eric Engelman, he founded an organization called new Boco in Iowa, literally founded the organization using agile principles in the scrum framework. They've grown from a team of two to a team of 19 in only a handful of years and their budget has followed proportionally. So we've got that as an example for not just even launching one program, but an entire organization. So we've really been building the library of how can we help organizations find people that look or are doing something similar. So that there's lots of great case studies for inspiration. Yeah. Great. So jumping back into the questions, Diane, one of the, well, I could see three people talking about the happiness element. I really love that of how looking at that metric can make a difference. Um, what happens if the things that are making the people unhappy are beyond your control? 
whether in the organization or maybe even external, what can happen uh, when the issue is the executive director or board support, mm -hmm. and uh, you know how can you lead up in some of yeah, these elements? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it is a leading up conversation because so in the Scrum framework, there's someone that's charged. The Scrum master is the one asking the happiness question, but even if you're not doing Scrum, right? you as a grant professional can be the one to ask that question. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, it's not about the quality of the coffee or the time at which we meet. Like, do I have control over why people maybe didn't give their happiness a four or a five? And so, you know, within the organization, you might indeed come up with a psychologically unsafe moment where you're like, I, I can't raise this impediment. I can't raise this reason why we're not happy as a team safely to my executive director or to my board. And so, you know, I think one of the things to consider is talking to other grant professionals for ideas around it. Uh, if you don't already have a mentor through GPA, find one, or through AFP, um, see who in grant zone can answer the question, hey, this is what's happening. Has anyone else tackled this? And see if you can get some inspiration for approaching it maybe in a different way. Um, unfortunately, if you know, you're in an organization where you're not able to have your happiness items addressed in a meaningful way, that's when we see the turnover moments. That's when we see that there are folks looking for other jobs where they feel like they will be heard or that their happiness uh, will be considered, whether that's formally with the organizations calling it or not. And I, so sometimes it is then you have to make the tough choice. Can we try to fix it? I've tried everything in my power or, you know, is it time to find a different opportunity? Yes, thank you. There's this one comment that, um, as you mentioned, Foundant is, is uh, you know, putting some of these practices into play as we go uh, organization-wide on it. And uh, I thought about this too, and as we're getting into it, uh, I'm seeing how it's working out, but competition within the team causes discord. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of that or an example of that? And how does leadership help there? Yeah. So, you know, when there's competition among, like within a team or even the team against team, right? It could be within a team, like who's going to get credit? <laughs> I've seen this one before myself. I've experienced this one. Like, is this a major gift or is this a grant? And who gets credit? Like that question. Like we all get credit. We all worked on it together. We all supported the language. So when there's a situation that's creating competition among the team, it, that's, I mean, there's some healthy competition, but the reality is what are the metrics, what are the key performance indicators that you're looking at as an organization? And so uh, I think looking for other ways to measure the value that's being provided, giving credit to teams instead of people, Right? Not incentivizing individuals by their performance goals, I think, is uh, a really important way that you can take away competition within teams that's creating that discord. So that, that's just what comes to mind right away. But um, yeah, and the reason why I mentioned Foundant in that is because things kind of start that way. Oh, you're measuring how many points of work I get done, and this, you know, as you qualify, how long things take. But as we looked at team and team velocity and were you successful regardless of how many points you got done if the team didn't meet its goals for the sprint? Uh, a lot of that, what, what metrics are you looking for? 
jumping in and helping somebody who is stuck, who is becoming the constraint, that may be the most important thing that you could do rather than work ahead of your schedule. And it actually builds teamwork if you, if you uh, use all the principles. So uh, that's why I'm pretty excited about it. Well, then sidebar, 30 second sidebar. <laughs> if you're talking about team velocity, we never, ever want you to measure one team's velocity points, whatever it is, against another's. If you have a stable team, so a team who stays like with the same people, the way in which they estimate their work, the way in which they produce, if you compare them, they're going to game the system, sort of like my daughters will game the system to have an extra piece of brownie at dessert or an extra scoop of ice cream, right? People will game the system if the metrics want them to game the system. So when we look at either happiness metrics or velocity, all that you're comparing for teams are trends. Which team is trending up? Which team is trending happier? Not actual like, well, we got 100 points of work done. We got 145. Ha, take that, right? Because we'll, ga we'll game the system. We want the extra brownie. We want the reward, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Here's something that's really diving in. Like, uh, what is a sprint? Is that a busy period or a push for completing a project? Yeah. Uh, what, what part of the tool is that? Okay, so two-part answer. One. There is an amazing video on our YouTube channel with Eric Ressler, who founded Cosmic, about sprints and why nonprofits should sprint. So you don't have to take just my word for it. You can go listen to Eric describe it very eloquently. But a sprint is a, a, a time period. And in the agile work in the Scrum framework or other frameworks, it is a consistent period of time. So what it is, it's the period of time that you're trying to get your iterative feedback on. So we do one week sprints. They could be between one and four weeks per the framework. We've picked one. We always do one week sprints. Doesn't matter how many things are due. It's always one week sprints. And what that is, is it's the way in which you get the cadence for your iterative feedback. So that, that every week we ask about what went well and what didn't go well. What was your happiness? What could we do better? But if you think about it, why would we do like anything? Why would we do longer sprints? Well, we might because we deliver something of value and it takes us a long time to get there. But as grant professionals or nonprofit professionals, we, we deliver things of value often, things that could have feedback from stakeholders or our teams. So we want to have as quick a cadence to get feedback and iterate and get better as possible. That's really what it is. But a sprint is a consistent period of time and it doesn't shift over the year. If you say you're one-week sprints, you're always one-week sprints. If you say you're two-week sprints, you stay at two-week sprints. You can set your watch by them. Great. Here is a, a question, and, and uh, we do two-week sprints, and that, that check-in and adjusting as you go really does help nip, nip issues in the bud, and, and I've seen it time and time again. So I agree totally on that. Um, how can we balance being agile with the need to comply on so many of our grants? Uh, the, the balancing of responding quickly to change if you have to go through a painful budget cycle uh, in order to do that. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah, so actually uh, compliance works really well in agile because it's not about like quickly pivoting and offering some brand new service next week because of your community's needs. Rather, it's saying here are the stakeholder needs and vision, and that's what's driving it. So compliance 
especially if you're thinking like being a federal grantee or maybe you're in health, so you're thinking about HIPAA compliance, that compliance, that work, that compliance body you're worried about, they're one of your key stakeholders. So they focus your vision. They focus, therefore, what work you're going to prioritize because you can't do all the work all the time. Got to say what's most important. You will prioritize that compliance work so that you stay in good standing, so that you can be a good federal grantee the next time. Um, it actually works incredibly well if you're in a, a compliance situation like that. Excellent. And I'm happy to talk more offline because that's a like, that's a big question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we have a quick question on the chat. What was Eric's last name that you referred to on the YouTube for Sprint information? Uh, yes, Wrestler. R E S S L E R. Okay. Um, there was a person that just it, it chimed in when you talked about grant team. It says, I'm the executive director, grant writer, educational program director, public art director, and, and uh, this is Marie, and probably another four other hats that I forgot. <laughs> uh, so no, no grant team. And as you explained what a grant team was, maybe she thought of other people who were on, on the other grant uh, part of the team. But one of the things I wanted you to, to hear that comment for sure and see if you had any thoughts, because some of the challenges are getting buy-in from the top level and here's somebody from the top level so there's some some pros there you know perhaps but what are the other challenges for these small teams yeah and i think so like for what maria's point was it sounds like maybe maria founded the organization right that could have been likely or is it a very small shop not talking about the impacts they create but in terms of number of people and so that actually goes back towards Jana's question about Scrum for One, right? Because Maria was right. I mean, she was wearing all the hats. And so it was an awfully lonely grant team meeting. What's the status from the executive director? Oh, I approved that grant. Hey, what's happening for programs today? What's our priority? Put on a different hat, right? Like that was a conversation Maria was going to have to have with herself. So it's about the accountability back to the Scrum for One of, uh, are you asking yourself those like retrospective questions? What could have gone better? Uh, what is our happiness? Maybe it's the self. What's my happiness if I'm the team? But in small nonprofits, uh, that does happen. We just had a United Way executive director in one of our classes. And, you know, as the executive director, he's setting the vision, but he's also, he's out there doing hands-on things in the community too. Their organization, powerful team of five, like they are the scrum team, right? So, and they're all wearing lots of hats. So it happens and it, it's a framework that we teach and it, that's so that it works whether it's two or seven, right? Three, um, because it's, a, it's meant to be adaptable. So it's the principles can still come in even if you're a team of one or two. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, and then the last question that I, I want to, uh, I thought it was a great one to end on since it's uh, one of the major reasons why we, we got this session covered for a uh, credit, educational credit towards a professional, grant professional certified uh, mm -hmm. is, can you briefly describe what it is to be trained in Scrum and why that would be beneficial to grant professionals? And of course, Scrum is just one of the methodologies, but I know you're licensed there, so you could, uh, what, what is the benefit to a grant professional for that? And then any other parting thoughts after that? Yeah. 
So the benefit to a grant professional of learning Scrum is that it builds a consistency and a cadence to the way in which you inspect and adapt your own work and your team as well. Right. And so when we're thinking about uh, our continuous improvement, how it is that there's all this extra pressure and we get interrupted, how do we manage that? The Scrum framework is designed to help you manage interruptions. How do you as a team decide what is an, a good interruption or not? How does the person setting the vision accept that? Um, it helps to build the space, the cadence for those retrospectives. I know I keep coming back to them. But when we think about the planning work that happens within Agile frameworks, uh, we're, we're doing planning in the form of a grant calendar. That's very common. But those are the big, big things that we say for the year. How do we break it down into the littler things so that we don't miss any of the key elements? We don't miss uh, getting a memorandum of understanding started or a letter of commitment drafted. We don't miss the budget narrative that we break down those big things on our grant calendar into smaller items during sprint planning. So just like the way that you consistently communicate to your board or to those that you're asking for information from, right? If we are consistent in our communication, they know what to expect. By building a consistent framework for how we operate, how it is that we manage our work as a team, that will give us then the space instead of worrying about all the work now we can focus on the what we're delivering of value instead become second nature and it's just think about it almost like an operating system for the way in which your team functions right there's multiple good operating systems that exist but without it this laptop just might not do much could do some things but so having a framework can help improve what your team can do that's really a good way to think of it Thank you, Diane. That was a great answer to that question. And we encourage people to go to your resources and takeaways. There's a lot more you could dig into and learn on the how of this. And thank you so much for sharing all of the great resources, books, and, and your journey on this too, a real example of that. Uh, do you have any you know, parting thoughts to leave people with as they're thinking of how to take the first step? You know me, I always have thoughts, right? So, <laughs> so the first thing I'll say is thank you to Foundant and to Grant Hub for letting this topic be something that we were talking about within the field. Um, I think it's of great value to, when we think about what it means to be a grant professional, there are so many skills that go into being a successful grant professional. And so we're, that's why we're always thinking about what else can we learn and where can we go? And so the fact that folks came to learn that they wanted to understand a little bit about being an agile leader. I'm, I'm really hopeful that it gives some new ideas, some fresh perspective on how you can lead up in your organization, how it is you can engage your team, how it is that you also really, you can do some of these things and care for yourself too. So that don't grants don't stress you out so that you're not burned out because well, grant seeking was never a sprint. While we talk about sprints and scrum, grants have never been a sprint, right? They're always a marathon type activity, ultra marathon. So focusing on happiness and you as an agile leader, I'm hoping that that's something you can add to your toolkit, to your toolbox, uh, so that you continue to love seeking grants and helping your organizations, your nonprofits thrive and create their own impact. So that was our conversation. There were a lot of great questions and pretty interesting ideas around Agile and leadership in general. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Founded Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 